Okay, so this week's weekly message will be in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, we're going to start off reading verses 1 through 16. We're not going to go very far because we're going to split these up into uh, several sections here uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 to try to address a number of different issues that are really important to the family, uh, things that I think are really important to what we're seeing in the world around us. And we may touch on some of that, we may not. We'll just kind of see how it goes. So here is 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let me read verses 1 through 16. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. Honor widows who are really widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under sixty years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she, has been, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. But refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation, because they cast off their first faith. And besides this, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows." Okay, so it, that's a lot of text. It's a lot of complicated instructions. Uh, I think they're very practical. I think they're very important instructions. I think that these are instructions that our whole society would be better off if they understood and followed. They are instructions that aren't optional for the church. They need to be adhered to in the church. But uh, this morning we're going to focus particularly on uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and the first few verses and hopefully set, some stage, set the stage for some uh, really important ideas as we go further into the chapter. So let's begin with the first couple of verses where it says, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. This is really an extension of the pastoral counsel that Paul has been giving Timothy in chapter 4. I think these couple of verses go with chapter 4 a little bit better. You know, chapter 4 uh, ends with these verses, uh, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And then he, Paul gives some instructions about what Timothy is supposed to be about uh, as a pastor in the church in Ephesus. You get to chapter 5, verse 1, do not rebuke an older man. It's interesting the way that that's uh, the, the initial kind of uh, framework for which Paul is basically telling uh, Timothy that he shouldn't deal in rebukes anyway. Pastors are not supposed to be dealing in rebukes. They're not rebukers. Instead, they are exhorters, which doesn't mean that there's never a time for a rebuke. But specifically when it comes to an older man, older men are supposed to be treated with a kind of respect and reverence. And for them, a rebuke is really out of place. It's just not appropriate. 
Which begs the question, you know, what is a rebuke and what is an exhortation? A rebuke is the idea of a chastisement. It's when someone has done something that is, that is, wise, that is unwise, that is foolish, that uh, perhaps is even sinful, and it's dealt with in the context of, you should not have done that. That is, it's just awful. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe that you, that, that you would approach it that way. It's foolishness. It's unwise. That may be a, an appropriate way to talk to, to children sometimes. Maybe an appropriate way to have a direct conversation with a friend when the time comes. But as a younger pastor, that's not a helpful tone for Timothy to take with an older man. It's just not. It's, it's, uh, it would be unhelpful. That is, that is not likely to lead to any kind of a profitable... I can, I can imagine if, if I was, you know, <laughs> here I am at 37. I can imagine if, if an older man in the church, let's say, let's say 50s, 60s, had done something incredibly foolish. You know, and, and I could see, certainly as a pastor, it would be my, my uh, obligation to, to maybe, depending on the foolishness, depending on the amount of exposure other people had to it, step in and, and try to help. But the tone that I take in that, uh, in that confrontation, in that exchange of ideas and exchange of, of, uh, of spiritual counsel, the tone is important. And the tone should not be one of of kind of a condemning, chastising rebuke. Instead, it should be an exhortation. In other words, shepherding, particularly when you are a younger man toward an older man, isn't done with chastisements and, and, and uh, critical put-downs and stern corrections, but shepherding is, is supposed to be carried out with exhortations, a call to do that which is wise rather than that which is foolish. Now, I've tried to use words uh, like wise and foolish, because uh, clearly, whether you're young or old, if you're a pastor, you're going to have to deal with sin. Now, you don't have to take a rebuking, condemning tone when you go and you deal with an older man in sin, but you do have to deal with it. And if someone is not going to be repentant in sin, then you have to do what the Lord Jesus commands. And Matthew 18, when it comes to church discipline, you have to, you have to uh, expect repentance. And if that isn't observed, then you have to go with a brother and and again, call to repentance. If that isn't observed, then you have to take it before the church. But you know, even in that scenario where you're taking something like that before the church, it's not like you're taking it in front of the church to make an example of the foolishness of this individual or to, to draw uh, you know, public ridicule or condemnation upon another person. That's not the idea. You're taking it to the church to call the person to repentance. And really, every call to repentance, yes, it speaks to the evil of sin and the need to, to turn away from it, but every call to repentance is really an exhortation to be better and to do better and to commit oneself to being better. If someone's in sexual sin, um, you call them to repentance. Stop the adulterous relationship or stop the pornographic viewing or whatever it is. What we're looking for in repentance is an acknowledgement of wrongdoing and a commitment to be better, right? If, if someone is, is actively doing something sinful, in other words, what is repentance? Repentance is a commitment to, yes, stop doing that thing, but to do better. That, it, that involves exhortation. Okay, if I'm not to do this, what am I supposed to do? What is the exhortation? Perhaps the exhortation is as simple as self-control. You know, and if you're in sexual sin, if, if pornography is a part of somebody's life, then the call to repentance is to stop this. Yes, that needs to be a commitment but also to control oneself until those, 
uh, those feelings can be expressed in a godly way, a way that brings glory and honor to God, and not in a way that brings shame and destruction into a person's life and heart. So, you know, here Paul is telling Timothy the tone that he needs to take when it comes to pastoring. And he certainly begins with older men, do not rebuke an older man, but he doesn't stay there. He says, but exhort him as a father, which that really speaks to the kind of humility that a Christian father is supposed to have. A Christian father should be a humble enough person to be able to be exhorted by his, by his uh, children. A Christian father should be able to do that. You know, a Christian father should be able to take exhortation from his children, a call to something higher, a call to something better. You know, now maybe the child's wrong. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe your 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 twenty-five-year-old son is is wrong. But uh, even if the child is wrong, a Christian father ought to have the humility to listen and to try to reason and understand the exhortation he's receiving. It's never appropriate for for a child to take a rebuking tone with their mother or father. But you can take an, a tone of exhortation. And here's Timothy. Uh, you know. A, a young pastor, a young man, a man who clearly, based on 1 Timothy 4.12, is dealing with some struggles related to his youth. And Paul's telling him, look, the tone you take matters. Don't rebuke, but exhort. Exhort an older man as a father. Exhort younger men as brothers. You know, Christian men, we should be calling other young Christian men around us to something higher and to something better. Uh, Older women, exhort them as mothers. Younger women, exhort them as sisters and do this with all purity. So shepherding is not to be done with chastisement for every unwise or unprofitable thing that happens. Shepherding is to be carried out with exhortation, a call to do that which is wise and that which is good uh, rather than that which is not. Okay, which brings us then to a lot of family instructions. Verse 3, honor widows who are really widows. And really, this is as far as we're going to go in the sermon today. You know, I'm about 10 minutes in right now. We're going to spend the rest of our time on this idea of honor. We're not going to talk specifically about widows this week. Next week, we certainly will. But we're going to talk about honor. Um, the idea of honor carries with it several connotations. When we think of honor, uh, it's, I think, appropriate for us to think about people who behave honorably. And I think what we mean by that is usually people who are committed to follow through with the task or people who hold themselves to a higher standard of loyalty and, and goodness. Um, honor here, when, when Paul tells Timothy, honor widows who are really widows, honor here is speaking to Timothy's work as a pastor to lead out in the church where Timothy is at in providing for the needs of widows in an honorable way. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the weeks ahead. So what we find in 1 Timothy chapter 5 is that the church, and the pastors are supposed to lead out in this instruction, the church has a, an obligation as a community to provide and care for widows who are truly widows, and that's coming next week, in an honorable way, to treat them honorably. This is not easy. It's not easy to honor someone. Uh, it requires honorable behavior. In other words, the person that you are honoring, in order for them to be honored, 
those who would honor them have to be honorable themselves. Uh, if we are going to have a parade for those who served our country and fought in wars, uh, then it's not enough that we simply have the parade. Uh, it, the parade should be attended, and the parade should be uh, met with people who are beyond a certain age uh, behaving during the parade as the float goes by or the, or the vehicle goes by or the, or the troops march by or whatever it is. When service members go by, the people who are of a certain age to recognize the significance of what the parade is trying to honor, those people should themselves conduct themselves in an honorable way in order to honor those who should be honored. Now there are going to be children and maybe they're there for the candy that's being thrown out on the road. You know, and then there are going to be those who are there for the event of the parade, but they are not overly concerned with honoring those who are being paraded, those who are being you know, displayed for honor. But the right way to, to, to honor you know, those who have served in a parade like that is when those who have served go by or are driven by or uh, when the flag that they stand for goes by, you honor them, you honor the flag, you honor what they've done by perhaps standing at attention maybe you know with your hand over your heart or maybe uh, mouthing the words or saying the words thank you looking them in the eye taking a tone of seriousness now children are going to be scurrying around for candy but the person who would honor those who are being paraded must themselves behave in an honorable way and when a church honors widows who are in need it's it requires the church behave in an honorable way this is certainly not a call for anything less than making sure the person is cared for. In other words, this is certainly a call for financial provision. Uh, but it, it is, it's certainly more than that too. It's a way of, of thinking uh, about the person whom you're honoring, a way of treating them. Uh, it involves respectfulness and loyalty. Uh, you know, there, is a, there used to be the idea of a place of honor. Sometimes there still is at a Hall of Fame speech or a Hall of Fame enshrinement where you know, there's, a, there, there's a place you know, up front where the person who is being honored would sit. And there's, you know, that's the idea here. It requires honorable behavior. It requires that needs are met and cared for. But it also requires an approach, a mental mindset, a, a, a spiritual determination that this is right, this is good, and this is what we're going to do. Um, this is really important to me. I think that um, it's shameful the way that those who should be honored in our culture, in our society, are routinely treated with uh, what could only be understood as the opposite of honor. Uh, let's think about that for a second. Um, you know, the Bible begins with this idea of honoring in a very basic place. And certainly honor God, yes. But in Exodus chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. And I think we all are pretty familiar or probably have heard a few of the Ten Commandments before, uh, no matter what background we come from. One of the Ten Commandments uh, goes like this, Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be uh, long in the land which the Lord, your God, is giving you. That command is repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Um, and it has with it the idea of obedience. 
certainly. Obedience is important. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're specifically told that children are to obey their parents. But that idea goes way beyond simply children obeying their parents. I think that uh, sometimes when we teach the Ten Commandments to children, we simplify this as we do a lot of the other commandments. And we make it all about a specific behavior. And uh, for kids, it's easy to make this all about obedience and to neglect the, the weightier matter of what it means to honor your mother and father. And we're talking about this because obviously when we talk about widows, we're talking about, about those, and this is going to become apparent next week, who have been in a family relationship, in a husband-wife relationship. Presumably, many of them would have had children, and, and this is going to really frame the way that Paul tells Timothy to think about widows and who bears the responsibility for them. But again, let's, let's think about what it means just for a mother and father. Uh, honor your mother and father means more than obey them. It means, to be frank, uh, to respect them, to treat them respectfully, and not to neglect them as they get older. Not to neglect them as they get older. Mothers and fathers should be cared for by their children as they get older. It's a shame that I have to look directly in a camera and explicitly say that in the year that we live in, but I do. Mothers and fathers are not the responsibility of the state. They're not. They're not the responsibility of Social Security. Now, I'm not criticizing Social Security. I'm not criticizing Medicare, Medicaid for the elderly. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking to children first of all ages. Mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers are the responsibility of children, descendants. That is what the Bible teaches from the beginning to the end. That is what the Bible teaches. Uh, I don't care if we live in a world where, well, but the state has welfare and the state has social security and the state has this for seniors and this program here. That's all well and good. I'm not saying that mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, I'm not saying they shouldn't take advantage of those opportunities. I'm not saying that they have to be neglected. Certainly something like social security is an earned benefit to a certain extent. Uh, it's paid into over the course of time. So I'm not saying those things should be neglected or are worthless, but ultimately, whether they help or are sufficient or not, the responsibility of mothers and fathers belong to the children and the grandchildren and the descendants, period. Uh, you know, Jesus understood this. Uh, he teaches on this in Matthew chapter 15. If you have your Bible, I hope that you'll turn to Matthew chapter 15 because this is really where we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, in this message. Matthew chapter 15 verses 1 through 20. Jesus is going to expound on this command to honor uh, mother and father. Um, while you're turning, I'll read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. Why do we honor uh, a mother and father? Why is this essential? Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. The Lord says, uh, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those are the words of God. Those who honor me I will honor. If you honor God, you will obey His commands. One of His commands is that you honor your parents. If you despise God, then you will despise His commands, and those who despise Him will be lightly esteemed. They will not be honored by Him. Period. This is an important teaching. 
Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, uh, the first 20 verses is what we're going to look at. Uh, basically, uh, it says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were in Jerusalem came to Jesus, and they challenged Him. Verse 2, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Why aren't your disciples paying attention to the tradition, to the messaging, to the teaching of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. This wasn't a violation of God's law. This was a tradition, a commandment of, of men. Uh, and the disciples weren't doing it routinely, and especially in the ceremonial way. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God? You see the juxtaposition? The commandment of God versus the traditions of men. Jesus is being questioned because his disciples uh, don't adhere to the traditions of men. Jesus turns it back on the scribes and Pharisees, and he tells them, he asks them, why do you transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. In other words, their teaching, their tradition, their doctrine, and that's what we've been talking about all throughout 1 Timothy, the importance of doctrine. Matter of fact, that's what uh, uh, Paul ended chapter 4. He tells Timothy, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, to the messaging, to the teaching that you hold to. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Messaging, doctrine, teaching either sees people saved from eternal hell, sees people living their lives in the blessing and honor of God, or sees lives destroyed and ruined. Messaging, teaching is everything. So Jesus has a question for them. Hey guys, you want to question my disciples and what they're doing? Why do you break the command of God because of your messaging, because of your traditions, because of your teaching? The natural question is, well, how are we doing this? Verse 4 of Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, For God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. That's how serious this was uh, in, 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 old, in the Old Testament. That's how serious this was to God when he was establishing his people, Israel, to be a functioning society. Part of the bedrocks of a functioning society was the idea that children would honor their mother and fathers and would not curse their mother or fathers. Now, this says nothing about mothers and fathers who do things that are, are in violation of God's law and in violation of God's principle. We'll deal with that in the weeks ahead. But let's assume that, that a mother and a father are, are generally behaving honorably and they are, are generally honorable and, and trying to do the right thing before God. They may not be the best mom and dad. They may not be the wisest mom and dad. They may not have made perfect decisions their entire life. But they've not done anything worthy of condemnation under the law of God You know, as human beings. Nothing that would have brought them under civic... You know, trial in the Old Testament. And so, you know, Jesus uh, calls to count these, these two commands, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses his father and mother, his law-abiding, honorable father and mother, let him be put to death. Because honoring your mother and father are foundational principles to a functional society, to a sustainable society. That's something that, that we need to uh, get back to in the United States of America if we have any hope of, of adhering to a sustainable society. Mothers and fathers must be held in a place of honor. And by that same token, mothers and fathers must be held accountable and called to behave honorably themselves, which is the problem with our modern-day definition of the separation of church and state. We think now that there are no moral instructions that are credible for our society and our citizens uh, to adhere to. And so, you know, absent the church's moral instruction to people, absent any idea of morality, absent any imposition of core values, we still want people to behave well, which is ridiculous, which is ridiculous. 
Separation of church and state means that a, a particular religion should not be forced upon uh, the, the, the population in, in any kind of you know, uh, impulsive, tyrannical way. It, the idea that, that uh, you know, any set of core values that are, are preached and trumpeted by religious institutions uh, is somehow you know, uh, uh, objectionable as a violation of church and state is ridiculous, is ridiculous. A society can't function without sustainable values. You can't have sustainable values without a sustainable family. And you can't have a sustainable family without something to inform those families about how they ought to behave. In other words, moral preaching, moral messaging, moral teaching is a foundational part of any society, even the one we live in. It's just the moral messaging that's trumpeted towards us is total crap. It stinks. It's awful. And it doesn't work. And so we have families that are falling apart and we have a society that's falling apart. How the family goes is how the society will go, and that's exactly what we're seeing. So God's instruction to His people in the, in the society He was establishing in the book of Exodus, in the book of Deuteronomy, Jesus is now quoting, Honor your father and mother, who themselves are called to behave honorably. And then, he who curses his honorably behaving, law-abiding, good citizen father and mother, let him be put to death. That was a capital punishment. It was not to be tolerated. Verse 5. Jesus now turning the table back on the, on the Pharisees. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, Hey, mom and dad, whatever profit you might have received from me, whatever financial benefit you might have received from the work of my hands in your old age, whatever financial care you might have received from me in your old age, I've presented it as a gift to God. You know, I've taken it to the temple and delivered it to the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests. You tell people, this is Jesus in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 15, you say that whoever says to his mother or father, whatever profit you might have received from me, I've made a gift to God. Then he, he need not to honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. God has said, children should provide and care for their parents in an honorable way as they age. You have said that if children give that money, whatever was allocated, to religious institutions, that they can then look to their parents and say, I don't have to give you money because I gave the money to a higher thing. I gave the money to God's people. And Jesus says, what you have done is you have made the commandment of God, the persons at play here are important, the commandment of God to no effect by the traditions of men. In other words, there is a high biblical calling that even the Lord Jesus recognizes and in the New Testament explicitly speaks to that children are responsible for honoring their mothers and fathers. Children must take care. They bear the obligation, in fact, the privilege of honoring their mothers and fathers out of their wallets, out of their bank accounts, out of their savings, out of their income, out of their work. If you don't have enough money to provide for your mom and dad, and, and again, this is something that we're going to talk about, assuming that mom and dad are living in a way that is manageable and sustainable. If you don't have something 
to give to your mom and dad, then you need to get something else. You need to get more. You need to work, if at all possible. So Jesus calls the scribes and the Pharisees out for this. Verse 7, then he says, hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, now listen, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, if your lips say that you're a servant of God, but your heart is far from God because you are not obeying the commands of God, specifically here, honoring your father and mother in this way, financially speaking, your worship is in vain. And the problem is teaching, messaging, doctrine. That's the problem. I, I am so disturbed by the lack of Christian discernment when it comes to the messaging that we are embracing. I am disturbed by the, the music that parents allow their children to listen to. You know, I had a, an exercise that I was going to do where I was going to pull up the lyrics from the number one selling song in 2019 and I was going to read them to you just to get an idea of how worldly the number one selling song in 2019 was. But I can't because it talks about human anatomy in a crude way that I can't read in good, in, 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 in good character uh, to you. I can't do it. The number one song in America in 2019 was crude that I'm not comfortable reading it to you. The, the, the number one album in America by Billie Eilish last year I couldn't read the titles of the tracks on the album to you. There's a song about homosexuality. There's a song about drugs. There's a song about rebellion. There's a song about sex and abuse. The number one country song is a song about whiskey. I am disturbed at the pitiful discernment that Christians show when it comes to the messaging that they allow to penetrate their responsible hearing. And if you're a parent, your responsible hearing is not just your own ears, it's that of your children. If you don't know the lyrics to the songs that your children are listening to, if you don't know the songs that your children are listening to, what are you telling them? What are you telling them? You're either telling them that you approve of whatever they choose to listen to, or you're telling them it doesn't matter whatever they choose to listen to. Because if it mattered, presumably as a parent, you'd care enough to pay attention to it. If you're paying no attention to it, making no guidelines for it, doing no parenting or training with it, then it must not be that important. The messaging that they are literally putting into their ears, that messaging isn't important to you. That's what you're telling them. I know every single song my kids listen to. At least I attempt to. I ask them what they're listening to. If I don't know the song, I look it up. They're not allowed to listen to quote-unquote secular music because it's all junk. <laughs> messaging. Here's Jesus continuing Matthew chapter 15 about messaging. 
When he called the multitude to himself, he then said, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. He's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees and their messaging and their teaching. Messaging, teaching, what's being communicated matters. It matters to Jesus. I hope it matters to you. It matters to Jesus. Then his disciples said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said to them, Every plant which my father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a ditch. That's what's happening to America's young people. That's what, happened. That's, a, that's what is happening to America's young people. They are believing messaging of blind fools, and they are falling into the same ditches that blind fools are following into. There's no celebrity's love life that I want. But you know what? Sexual promiscuity, drug use, alcohol use. Same stuff I see in the celebrities, same stuff I see in American youth. Am I shocked or surprised by that? It's blind leading the blind. Verse 16, Jesus said, Are you without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Again, back to the hand-washing thing. But those things which come out of the mouth are from the heart. You want to know why the number one songs in America are so terrible? That's what's in the heart of the people that are singing them. Pretty simple. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. There's America's top ten. These are things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands do not defile a man. Okay, so closing. Number one, our messaging on the family must be right. Okay, our messaging on the family and in the family and in the family must be right. Okay, we're going to talk more about this in the weeks ahead. Um, number two, mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers must be honored as a rule. There are qualifications that come next week and the weeks ahead. We'll talk about those. But as a rule, mothers and fathers must be honored and provided for. Third application point. If we are not right with our messaging and conduct in our homes and families, then our hearts are far from God and we worship in vain. That's Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to read it to you again, verses 8 and 9. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me. Teaching, doctrines, the commandments of men. Folks, what you believe matters. What you believe matters. You know, Jesus came to this earth and He lived the life that He lived and He lived it in an honorable way. He obeyed His heavenly Father. Being found in the form of flesh, He was obedient even to the point of death on a cross. There is a way of thinking, a way of living your life that honors God and will invite the honor of God upon you. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. That is a good thing. That's what I'm calling you to. Honor God. Honor God. And you know, 
to do that, we have to look to Jesus because we can't honor God without first a relationship with God. So if you're hearing this and, and you're not sure how this all fits together in the gospel, the, the idea that, that God sent his son to die on a cross to forgive you of your sin, to put away all the times in your life when you have dishonored him, and to bring you into a right relationship with him whereby you can honor him, that's an invitation into blessing. God is inviting you to experience His blessing. He's inviting you to experience His eternal inheritance. He's inviting you to experience His favor. How do you do it? Well, first, you have to deal with all the ways you have dishonored and shamed God, your sin. And then, having dealt with that by expressing faith in Jesus and His ability to remove those things from your life at the cross, then you can enter into a right relationship with God where you honor Him. And if you're not a Christian, that's my, that's my first call to you. You cannot honor God. You cannot bring God's honor to your life by trying to take care of your parents in old age or being obedient to mom and dad. You can't do all that stuff unless first all the ways that you bring shame and dishonor are dealt with at the cross. If you're going to get your life right, the first thing that you have to do is trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Trust Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have the Spirit of God come and take hold in your life. That's something that you can't do. That's a transformation that God does inside your heart. And if you are hearing this and you are feeling the conviction of sin because you know you have not trusted Jesus with your life, you know you, your life has brought shame and dishonor upon God, that's where this has to begin. But for those of us who have, who have, who have gone there, who have run to the cross, who have embraced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, then let our worship not be in vain. Let, let us not just be close to God in lip service to God with, with our, our testimonies of faithfulness to God. But instead, let us actually honor God by being obedient to God in His commands. And that starts in the home. It has to be in the home. You can real, work really hard not to be a liar outside of the home or not, not to be you know, a, a pagan in your worship outside of the home. But if you don't fulfill your responsibilities and obligations inside the home, it's lip service. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 15. These people who would teach this doctrine, this false teaching, that somehow you can serve God and not pay attention to family obligations, they don't honor God. Their worship is in vain. They're defiled because of the messaging, the teaching that's coming out of their mouths that would corrupt people's own households. That where the Christian transformation has to always be evident and active and discerning is in the Christian home. Always. And so this week, in this week's message, we've begun 1 Timothy chapter 5 with a, a foundational principle that mothers and fathers themselves are called to be honorable and to train children in an honorable way. There'll be more on that to come in the weeks ahead. But children are supposed to treat mothers and fathers who have done their best to live up to that call, to be God-fearing, honorable mothers and fathers, to be good citizens as God defines a good citizen, to be just, not perfect, but who have aspired to that and whose work in that, whose attempts at that is evident. Children are called to honor their parents. And one of the ways that they are to do that is financially. And that's what Paul is zeroing in on with Timothy. The, the, the call to provide for mothers and fathers 
grandmothers and grandfathers, as we will see in 1 Timothy 5. This is not simply talking about my mom and dad. It's talking about my parentage. Mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, and I believe we can take it beyond that, as we'll see in the weeks ahead. My call as a son is to embrace that responsibility to honor them in an honorable way myself. To honor them by being honorable in my care for them when the time comes. And it cannot be chucked off to the state. That responsibility can't be shifted to social programs. If social programs exist and they are available, then let them aid, but let them not replace the call of children to provide and care and honor, to do it not in a begrudging way, but in an honorable way for their mothers and fathers, especially those who have done well. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, there are going to be a number of controversial things in the weeks ahead that we must talk about and uh, plenty of opportunity for offense. And yet, Father, let the tone as much as possible, let the tone out of my mouth be governed by a call towards exhortation, towards something better. I'm not trying to rebuke anyone. I'm not trying to chastise anyone. I haven't had anyone particular in mind as I've been teaching this even to a video camera in my office here. But Father, this is important. This is foundational, bedrock, societal stuff. This is what it means to be your people, and I'm afraid we've gotten away from it. I know the rest of the world has forgotten it. What a shame and a tragedy. And I shudder when I think about the fallout of what this is going to mean in our world and what I already see it meaning. Father, bring about repentance and a national realization of the core values of the Christian faith that used to govern so much of the basic moral thinking in our country. Father, do this for the salvation of people. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.